This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series. Our weekly show, usually on a Tuesday and a Friday at 5pm. And don't worry, they still will be there on Tuesday and Friday. But this is an impromptu um, debate show today. I'm going to be joined by a fantastic <laughs> guest to talk about a topic of interest for many people. Uh, and one which I'm sure is going to kind of bore some really good discussion. So let's crack on with it. Hello, Soph, how are you doing? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, good. So I'm joined, listeners, of course, as you can see by Sophie from the Highbury Squads. We're just saying good weekend besides the football. That was all fine. So uh, set you up for a decent week, I suppose. Yeah, I watched a couple of good movies, a couple of good docs, tried to move on from the Burnley game, but it just follows you everywhere you go. Can't get, can't <laughs> yeah. get, can't get rid of the stench. Us content creators, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like we talk about it every day or something. Uh, yes, it's absolutely crazy at the moment. Um, thank you, Roy, in the chat for signing up as a new member. Really appreciate your support, mate. I'm sure a lot of you as well in the chat have, have followed Sophie over from the Hybrid Squad. If you haven't watched Sophie's show, make sure you go and check out the Hybrid Squad. The link is in the description, so make sure you get and check them out. You've got Kev and Amanda, of course, and plenty of fantastic guests on every single week or every single day, pretty much now. You're doing content, Sophie. Yes, yeah, we've been doing content every day since the first lockdown last year so this is our volume two lockdown series and a whole year yeah yeah <laughs> it's been uh you know it's not easy i i know there are a lot of fans out there that do know how hard it is for um mm. you know content content folks to be putting it together every single day especially when really you know you're you're not making a ton of money out of it or any money out of it actually so you're driven by this passion and this desire to kind of do what you do. And uh, so we appreciate everyone who appreciates us and our show. It means a lot. 
Exactly. So, listeners, first thing you're going to do when you finish listening is, of course, giving this show a like and a subscription, but make sure you click the link in the description to go check out the Highbury Squad. Anyway, we're here to have a discussion because me and Sophie sometimes have, uh, in the kindest way possible, friendly clashes on social media, uh, which, I mean, I don't know if you've been onto Twitter ever, anyone listening before. It's nearly (laughs) impossible not to do that, uh, especially as Arsenal fans. Um, But what we do try to prove on the old uh, YouTube is that you can have a discussion amicably uh, and level-headedly, and still remain friends by the end. But I will tell you, so if you do disagree with me more than once, I may have to boot you out of the show. That's just how <laughs> things go. It is um, your show, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Anyway, we're here to talk about um, kind of a topic which bore around, obviously, where we sit currently in the table. Um, I joined you and Amanda on a show previously, and we had a bit of talk about Arteta and where we are as well, and that was a that was, I think it was early February when we did that, um, yeah. and we picked up some points, dropped some points since then too. So I'm interested just to kind of get overarching thoughts to kick things off about how you're feeling about Arsenal right now. Well, uh, my estimation of the team last season was that we were a cup team and not quite a Premier League team yet, and I think that still holds weight. Um even though we've we've been knocked out of the FA Cup, which is a little bit unfortunate. Some would mm. argue that perhaps the FA Cup was sacrificed um, to keep um, at it in the Premier League and and perhaps the Europa League. Uh, I would hope that wasn't and isn't the case, especially in a competition you know where you know we we could maybe still had a a route to Europe. At the beginning of the season, my desire was let's be more competitive in the Premier League. Let's be better and go for the Europa League. I was, to sound hypocritical now, willing to say, okay, maybe the FA Cup isn't the priority. But then once our league form really lapsed and once we regressed and the only route back to Europe was through these two cup competitions, I felt as much as I didn't want to put all of our eggs in that basket, that it was important for us that we remain competitive. And we didn't do that. So... We've moved now along. Um, we're in the final act of this season. Our league position hasn't improved. We've lost 11 games. You can't blame all of that on VAR and bad ref decisions. At some point, you have to look in the mirror and be accountable because the league table, it's a cliche, but it doesn't lie. You are who you are after a period of multiple games. And for some reason, this team is unable yet to string consistency together be more competitive and stay mentally engaged in a match throughout its entire period. And so I do think that, yes, there are still players there that shouldn't be playing for the club. But at the same time, Arteta has been able to infuse some of his own players into this team. And you could argue that maybe he showed a bit too much blind faith to some of the Wengerites and some of the clicky and toxic plays at the beginning of this season. And if he hadn't have done that, where would we be now? If he was a little braver in some of his decision-making instead of maybe not relying on players that he had played with or players that he thought were going to be able to get us out of this mess and up the table. Can't lose to Villa twice in a season. Can't lose to Wolves twice in a season. You can't draw against Burnley and lose to Burnley in a season if you're talking about making progress. And for me, um, Tom, I just don't see where our progress in the league has been made other than being harder to break down at the back and leaking less goals. 
Yeah. Um, I I understand, like, in the sense that it is very frustrating, and I'm frustrated as hell to be sitting as an Arsenal fan. And, and I know I haven't seen maybe anywhere near as much Arsenal as a lot of people have throughout their lives. And, and I grew up basically... Um, during the Invincibles period, which was obviously very nice uh, to grow up during that period. And then a lot of my life has been Arsenal gradually getting further and further away from that point. Um, mm. And I think that now, um, with with an older head on my shoulders than I had previously to kind of look at things, I remember being staunchly kind of Wenger in immediately and then things changing as I got older to realise the bigger context and how change is necessary to change things. But also I think that, I now look at the table in a very different way in the context that there is a hell of a lot more teams now competing and spending the money and and pushing for that top four place to the point where I don't look at necessarily Arsenal as a club that has a right to say we should be in the top four every season because to do that, I feel that you need in the world of football that it is to invest as smartly and as frequently as the other teams at the top of the table. To give kind of a, that context around that point is that I look at the Premier League and I go, you've got three teams in the Prem that are out on their own, which are Chelsea, United and City. Teams which can plough money in at a ridiculous, high, ridiculously high rate every single season. And they have the ultimate goal of winning the title. And if that, they don't do that that is not good enough and usually they they move on their manager. You've then got kind of the next bracket of clubs which I include ourselves in which are ourselves Liverpool, uh Everton, you've got to look at Leicester building up into that situation annoyingly Spurs as well in that group too and they're teams that don't have the capacity to pump money in every summer and so what they've got to rely on is effectively spending through either self-sustainability, small injections from their ownership and smart recruitment through player sales and, and purchases. Mm-hmm. Arsenal, and I, I saw you highlighted the, the piece I wrote today about how much we'd spent based upon the, the financial report, which is £561 million between 2015 and 2019, those summers, which is a stupid amount of money. And it's, about, it's an amount of money which is comparative with a lot of teams that are in the top four mm-hmm. and that are at the top of the table. The, the difference is, is that as a lot of people were alluding to in your chat box that I saw is that we've spent it pretty poorly um, over those uh, those seasons by bringing in players like Squadron Mustafi, overspending on players like Nicolas Pepe, spending it in positions where we probably should have directed that money elsewhere as into the centre-back area, the centre-midfield area. That's where I thought we should have really been pumping that money into. Now Arteta has taken over. He has obviously been at the club for a year now, and I'm finally seeing change in the way that we are recruiting. I see us buying a Gabriel at centre-back, a really good centre-back. I see us buying Pablo Marie for the price that we did, a very savvy piece of business, also been good. And I see Thomas Partey come in. And I look at that and I go, okay, that's that's different. That is, that's a bit of change. We're seeing smart recruitment being made. These are players. How that how, di- how different is that to Tierney for twenty five million and Martinelli for eight million? Well, that's Dude, just the what, season prior as that's well. That's the season prior and yeah. a, a different team, right? Yeah, and, that's, and I, I didn't mean to. to I did mean no, to no. interrupt. Actually, I'm not going to say I didn't <laughs> mean course. to interrupt because I did mean to interrupt. <laughs> but I, I I just I just see those as excuses excuses have we yeah. bought thomas party fantastic you know gabriel great even though he's regressed a little but i put that down to him perhaps having suffered from covid and not it's not easy to 
to recover from that, right? Mm. Pablo Mari, yes, uh, a goodbye. But we've we've done this a couple of times, you know, season on season. The difference is, is that what has he done with the different players that he's brought in? Our league position is no better off. And you mentioned some of those teams like a Leicester City, a West Ham mm. and Everton. On paper, do Everton have a better team than us? Do West Ham have a better team than us? Do Leicester City have a better team than us? Mm. No, what, what they have is they've had better coaching this season. They clearly have better management this season. I mean, West Ham are how many points ahead of us? 11, maybe more? West Ham United. Now, yeah. I, I'm not saying they haven't done this season after season, but it's kind of incredible, isn't it, when you look at even Aston Villa being one point from relegation, look what they've done in the summer, and Dean Smith sometimes, somehow has galvanised this squad to perform better in the Premier League and they're in a better position. They've improved. They've evolved. West Ham have evolved. When David Moyes came in, I'm sorry, but his, he, he inherited an absolute mess. People were talking about wanting to throw the owners. I mean, they wanted to throw them under the bus. Mm. I mean, it was, absolute, uh, it was absolute mayhem at West Ham. I would say even worse a situation... Um, than Arteta inherited because at least Arsenal have this fabric of a somewhat culture and foundation that even though was poisoned for a number of years, he was able to manoeuvre and operate under it because he was given the power to do so. David Moy still had to work within the confines of West Ham a little bit more. So Brendan Rodgers, okay, uh, Arsenal fans turned their noses up at him, Tom, for years. Mm, yeah. But he's improved Leicester. So with the same token of we found these gems, we've done that before, but what is he doing with the team? We haven't improved. We've lost 11 games in the Premier League mm. and we're losing games to teams we shouldn't be, but that's our level now. And I think that's the thing that Arsenal fans find it hard to get their heads around. You keep thinking we're rivals of Liverpool and City and Chelsea and Man United, but we're not anymore. Our rivals are West Ham, Leicester, Wolves. Southampton? Well, I mean, Leicester, I mean, Southampton and Wolves, not this season specifically, no, not at all. But the, I think there's a fact of a matter is that there's a lot of clubs that want to be where Chelsea or where we once were, and they're now doing the right things to put themselves in that position. I mean, you use the word excuse to 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 say the like what I'd put out there as reasons as where we are. By definition, yes, that is, it is an excuse. An excuse is a, a justification of a fault. That's, that's what it is. And I don't necessarily... The fault is obviously where our league position is. And so the excuses behind that are just the reasons as to why we are there. And I believe that the reasons as to why we are 10th is not, is not poor management or poor coaching because I have seen improvement in this team. And the improvement I've seen in this team would make me go, well, it can't be poor coaching. And you look at West Ham and I actually look at that team and I go and you say, is it better than us? And on paper, you're saying, no, my God, West Ham United, they can't be better than Arsenal. But actually, like their midfield, I mean, with Partey being available for us for what, 13 games and a few of those, he was only available for half of the match. They've had Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek. That's miles ahead of our midfield, that, that pairing. I'd, I'd, I'd swap Thomas Partey and Granite Xhaka for Suchek and Rice in a second. And I love Thomas Partey. 
But overall, as a pair, they're together. As a together, they're they're better, and they give West Ham more. I look at the recruitment that they've made from within the UK, which is something that Arsenal haven't done over seasons. Bringing in Antonio from Forest, Bowen from Hull City, Ben Rama from um, Brentford. It's something that Arsenal haven't done in a long time. Is invest from within the UK. We're starting to maybe see some change in how we recruit, but I, I genuinely don't think that the. the re- that these clubs are miles off. I don't see that be them being above us as an insult or as a, as a thing that we should look at. I think that Arsenal need that as a reality check to look at those teams and say, wow, the business that they've done is really improving them. Leicester have done fantastically well in the market after they lost the likes of Angolo Kante, Riyad Mahrez, etc. when they won the title. They built on that by spending really well on other good players that have then performed. And i I don't look at players. I don't look at the the players like Abamyang and Lacazette who haven't performed this season. I mean, can you explain to me why you think that Arteta's coaching has made players like Lacazette or Abamyang not be able to finish chances that they would usually finish? I mean, why? How does Arteta's coaching affect that, for instance? Well, you have to ask what's been done in training, right? You have to ask why maybe they've lost a little bit of confidence. Also, it's cyclical. Lacazette really wasn't the main goal scorer. I'm more I'm more um, concerned about um, Aubameyang's um, inability to perform this season. A lot of people will say, well, his mum was sick. Well, yes, she was, but he wasn't great since maybe after that Fulham game. You know, he hadn't been performing and you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You don't know what players are going through. You don't want to criticize them too much. Uh, but he also maybe at times wasn't being fed the ball quick enough, fast enough. Maybe players weren't finding him on that run. And you saw that change a little when ESR came into the team. You mm. saw that change when Lacazette was playing with Saka and ESR. We played with a lot more speed, especially when Party was playing. You know, even Jacker was making balls, um, passing the ball um, frontwards and not sideways and backwards. So some of him not being able to score has had a lot to do with how we've played. You know, we have this slow build-up and it's consistent. We we love playing the ball out of the back and sometimes, you know, that's excruciatingly painful. But it's the way the manager wants to play. And so you see the way we played against Leicester came out really quick, really wanted to, to kind of, um, you know, uh, humble them early. We did that. And even in the earlier on in the in the season where William played like a, a, a number 10, was interchanging in the 10 role with Saka against Sheffield United, played really well then. You know, the games where we've played well, we've played faster football, we've been more creative, we've been able to get our foot on the ball more, make the most of possession. Now we have a lot of possession. We don't really do too much with it. There's a lack of confidence. And I'm not saying it's all Arteta's fault. Mm. But he can't get the praise when we win and then you can't criticise him the same way. This is the thing that I find the hardest with um, some Arsenal fans is, you know, I I lauded him against maybe being able to come back against Olympia Goss, the Leicester game, you know, playing that way with this heart, this passion and this speed against Leicester as well. And the fact that we dominated them completely. I mean, why can't we play like that more often? And I'm not saying that we should because each opponent is different. But he's got to be culpable for some of this. You know, There's, it's not just the players all the time. He's got rid of a lot of the click that weren't working for him. So Gradis, Mustafi, um, Kalasinac, you know, um, Gwenduzi, Torreira, Ozil. And he's brought in some of his own players and 
I'm, I just don't see the, cons- for me, coaching comes with consistency. And that's where I question him, Tom. Mm. Don't necessarily question him for Pepe missing that chance against Burnley. We win 2-1. It's a different conversation. But I do question why we can't be consistent, why we can't string multiple games together and win. And I do think that comes to do with coaching and having players mentally engaged for an entire season, being able to do that and carry that off. I think that I, I take on board everything that you said there. And I think that there is certainly a, saying that he is perfect and everything that's gone wrong is nothing that is his fault would be ridiculous. That would be saying I'd be perfectionist and it wouldn't be saying that he isn't coupled with some of the mistakes. I don't agree with some of the team selections he's made. I don't agree with him sticking along with Hector Bellerin for as long as he did when he could have played Cedric instead of him when he had Kieran Tierney available to him. I don't agree with some of the substitutions that he's made with bringing Willian on instead of maybe Martinelli in some moments. I don't agree with some of those things. But what I look at is that the season as a whole, and I go, since Boxing Day, we've lost three league games. Those three league games, one was against Man City, and the other two were the back-to-back games against Wolves. Uh, this is in the league, by the way, the Wolves and the Aston Villa game. The Wolves game still gives me nightmares. I still wake up in the morning with in sweats thinking about that, <laughs> that Wolves game because we played some of the best football I've seen us play under Arteta in the first 40 minutes for it to get thrown away of a silly mistake or a poor officiant decision, whichever on the side of the line you fall on with that moment. Um, and then, of course, the, the red cards. And the, silly, and, and the red cards has also been an issue as well. We've had too, way too many red cards. And if that's down to coaching, whether that's down to the same old characters, but then Gabriel was one of those players that got sent off too. So maybe that's something as well that you can point to. But after Boxing Day, as I say, we've lost three league games. And the rest of those performances then, we've been one of the better form teams in the league. We've been within the top five teams in terms the of The league starts in August, Tom. Of course. It doesn't start in December. I understand that's, that. That's our problem. We're a half a season or a quarterly team. We can't be a team for the season. No, and I think that we will be better prepared for a full season as as we continue on with what Arteta is trying to shape. You look at that period before Boxing Day... We, that was the first time we had a natural number 10 playing in that mm. game against Chelsea, which is a Millsmith throw, which obviously he was injured at the start of the campaign. He was getting minutes when he gradually was getting fitter in the under-23s and then in the Europa League. And then we brought him in. He came off the bench, I think it was against Everton. And then we threw him in against Chelsea when he could have chosen someone like Joe Willock, which he had previously done against the likes of Leeds, etc. But he didn't. He went with Smith Rowe. We didn't have a natural number 10 because we didn't sign one. Um, and that, you could say, comes down to the, the recruitment side of things. But I think at the end of the window, we had a choice between Awar and Partey and we decided to go for Partey. And I genuinely believe if Partey had been fit for the whole of the season, we wouldn't be sitting where we are and we would have competed better in a lot of the games that we would have competed in because we ultimately put ourselves in a position where our midfield, our weakest part of our team, wasn't upgraded where other teams all around us were. So that first part of the season, we didn't have our number one signing. We didn't have a natural number 10. Our main strikers in Lacazette and Aubameyang couldn't hit a barn door of a banjo. Like, like it was. A, it, I thought so many things, and I know that will get called excuses, but I look at all those things that came together, and it was a really, really poor time for Arteta. And he got Arsenal to a point where it was as low, if not lower, than when Unai Emery got sacked previously. And I feel like dragging us out of that situation, getting some tactical decisions right by playing Smith-Rowe, getting in Erdogan in January, bringing in a backup keeper. He has actioned those mistakes that were made and the issues that we had, and now we are seeing the benefits from that. And the games that we've lost since then, the Wolves game, the Villa game was a mistake from Cedric, and then the Burnley game where we dropped points again, we we should have won that game. And why, we been- why do we make so many mistakes? You in know, what, I hear... What kind I of hear, mistakes? <laughs> I hear... Well, I mean... we. 
everyone keeps talking about we've made so many mistakes. If we if we limited our mistakes, we probably would be in the top six, right? Or right. if our decisions had gone our way. I just think these are excuses, okay? Yeah. But why do we make a lot of mistakes? See, to me, when I see, and I'm not going to compare a novice manager with Pep Guardiola, but for someone who was tutored under Pep Guardiola, and everyone raves about the fact that he was tutored under Pep Guardiola, and he saw his perfectionism, okay? When you limit your mistakes, you win games. It's the difference. Goals and limiting mistakes are the difference between winning and losing games. Why do we keep making the same mistakes? You know, Because mentally, Tom, our team hasn't evolved. Our culture as a club hasn't evolved. Our DNA, what we used to know is dead, right? There's a new Arsenal being built. It's Arsenal 2.0. This is a new chapter. Everything we've known before us, is gone. We haven't won the league in 17 years. We've won the FA Cup four times in, what, 6.5 years. We had the opportunity to win a European trophy. We didn't do that. We have another opportunity to do that this year. You could argue that in some ways Unai Emery, as much as fans, you know, hated him towards the end, helped evolve the culture of our club. He gave younger players a chance. He got us back to a European final. Um, he gave us confidence by going going on a 22 unbeaten game run, despite how some people say, oh, we got lucky. Well, I don't hear you saying that when it comes to people calling us out with the Invincibles that we drew a lot of games. It, mm. it worked then, but it doesn't work when Unai Emery goes on a 22 unbeaten game run. Okay. And I saw Danny had written that no team has gone on a four plus unbeaten game run this season. Well, this season is a bit of an anomaly, but we still okay. aren't improved in the league, right? So... I think that it's all well and good saying those things, but the league position is still what it is, right? I mean, we have no striker in double digits this season. That's, yeah. unac that's unacceptable. How is that? Well, I, I was going to say to you, how how would you explain that to be Arteta's fault? that they're Because I, 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 I put it down to them too. Because I think Aubameyang and Lacazette are experienced enough strikers and are prolific enough strikers that they shouldn't be missing the chances that have been created for them this season. Is there a confidence issue? Is something happening behind the scenes that we don't know about? I don't know. Are they just going on a bad run and they've been on a bad run together? You know, again, Lacazette wasn't the prolific goal scorer um, uh, and and uh, and Aubameyang has been. He's been our saviour. I mean, without mm. his goals in Leno's saves in 18, 19, 19, 20, you could argue that we would have been in a lot of trouble. Um, I think uh, I think what Lacazette scored fifty eight odd goals in a hundred and something plus appearances. It's I'm not saying it's his fault, and don't twist me saying that mm. Arteta is culpable for some of our performances and results. And maybe at times when those players can't score, why not bring on a young gun like a Martinelli who plays fearless football? Why not give him a chance? So he doesn't yeah. make the adjustments sometimes at the right spot or he'll make them too late for that player to have an impact on the game. That's where I think he's got the power to maybe do something different. I'm not saying he's responsible for them missing chances from the get-go. Yeah, of course. When it comes down to like looking at Arteta, one of the big things you've mentioned that gets brought up is, is his in-game management and some of the decisions that he's made. But I don't think the reason that we sit in 10th can be placed on substitutions during games. I, I, I think that when you look at the quality that we do have on the pitch... I didn't, in some I of the didn't games say that's got, the reason. I didn't no, no, say I'm that. In, I'm going to call general, you out. Okay. But it's, in general, it, it has an effect on giving your team the ability to maybe get a point or 
get a win in a game, right? And and we've closed that gap with with big sides considerably under Arteta, have we not, when it comes down to those big games against City, against Liverpool. We've competed in these games where under Wenger, under Emery, we were blown away at times against those teams. We've we seem to gap. struggle. We seem to struggle when we go when we, we, we don't like to chase a game, do we? You know, and especially when we've gone one nil down, with if you look at that stat, that's pretty alarming in terms of how we've been able to come back from going one nil down you know, this season. And yeah, under Unai Emery, we conceded more, but we scored a ton more too, you know? So it's okay for people to be happy that, oh, we only lost one nil to City. If it was Emery, we would have lost four nil. What difference mm. does it make? We lost. I think That's it does the- matter though. I think it does matter wholly because... So you would on- rather not play and be creative and try to score rather than do nothing, lose one nil? Because that's what we pretty much did. I think against, against Manchester City. I think Manchester City you're 100% right. We we didn't turn up to that game and we ultimately ran out as one goal losers in a match that they they didn't need to come out of of second gear at all City. They did for their goal and that was about it. But I think in plenty of other matches this season we have done what we've done what we've not been able to do in other teams. I mean it's the first when we beat Leicester that's the first time we've beaten a, a side in the top 3 since 2015 away from home. When we beat Manchester United that's the first time since 2006 that we've gone to Old Trafford in the league and won. I think we are improving. I think that it is much easier for a manager to turn the results against some of the smaller sides. I think that's been our issue this season is we've dropped too many points against games that we shouldn't be dropping points in. But actually, when you look at the tougher challenge, which always has been for Arsenal, is picking up points and competing in the matches against our rivals, that is something that is gradually improving. And I'm not saying that I would rather lose 1-0 in a game where we barely try or that we don't look like scoring than trying in a game and losing 4-0. I think it's a gradual evolution. I don't think within a flick of a switch do you suddenly start seeing a difference like that, especially at a club like Arsenal, which has been perpetually given poor player after poor player season upon season through poor recruitment. I think Arteta's got a huge job to turn it around. I I agree with part of what you're saying. Also, when you're talking about why aren't our our strikers taking chances, you know why? Because they're not getting as many in a game. And we have... The Burnley game, for instance, we created loads, didn't we? Well, well, that's that's been one of few, right? Where we've created lots of chances, and when Saka scores that goal, it's two nil. It could be a moot point, game over. Yeah. But he didn't finish it. So you also have to take into consideration that because our offensive play, our creativity, has slowed down under Arteta greatly. Okay, look at the goal ratio between, and I'm not comparing the two managers, and I'm not saying I want Emery back or I didn't want Emery sacked. That's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm just looking at the data and the analytics. Emery's Arsenal scored a lot more goals than Arteta's. And sometimes Aubameyang needs two or three chances in a game to get one. Lacazette Mm. might need two or three. Not everybody is like Sergio Aguero. Not everybody's like Mo Salah. Not everybody is like, dare I say, a Harry Kane or a Son where they just need a chance. We actually have strikers in a team that need several chances. And when you're not creating as many, that makes it tricky. So that's where I circle back to, well, why aren't we creating more? How are we being set up as a team? Is Arteta, you know, so focused on, we were so poor at the back and he's he's uh, created that that uh, improvement defensively, but at the sacrifice of creating chances and putting our forward line in a position to be able to score more goals. So I think that, that comes into it as well, Tom, um, a little bit in terms of the chances they actually get in a game. I disagree in the sense that, 
I believe that this second part after Boxing Day, we have done those things. We have created plenty more chances because Arteta has had the personnel. He's had that natural number 10 in Smith thrower. He's brought another one in in Erdogan. And I feel like if he's given if he's given the backing and he's able to sign further creative talent in the summer, we will gradually see that. But when you have a side that has got Lacazette and has got Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, but has got no number 10 to the point where you're either playing Willian, who's played his entire career out on the wing and has come to Arsenal and dropped off a cliff in terms of talent, or playing Joe Willock, who is an unproven, who I believe is not good enough to be at Arsenal Football Club, playing at 10. I think you really are going to struggle to create chances for those wide players. I think that's... Do you but not the think league, again, the league, starts, the league starts in August. I, I, respect, I completely respect yeah. what you're saying about our form since December. I totally respect that. That form has been because of what Arteta's done, though. That's what but I'm saying. The league starts in August. But okay. we didn't have the personnel from that point. But you could argue that you could argue also that he wasn't prepared for the season, right? And, and this whole learning on the job and everything, it's just like not good enough in, in my estimation for Arsenal Football Club. And people keep referring to what we've done December onwards. And let's see what we do between now and the end of the season. But the proof is in the pudding still, Tom, that we can't win a game or close a game. And our league position has not changed. So with all that you're saying, I get it. It's like having 80% possession in a game and then losing it or getting a draw. What's the point? I'd rather have 20% possession in a game right now and win it. So it's it's all well and good kind of looking at what he's done since December. And that's a good thing. But the fact that we can't do it consistently still, I think speaks volumes for us in the league. And right now, we're still a cup team. We're not a Premier League team. We're just not. I don't see, though, because the alternative to this, and this is where I suppose we turn the argument in the other direction and go, OK, what's the alternative? Because if Arteta is not getting enough from this team, then some people would suggest that he should be replaced. I don't personally see another coach coming in and doing a greatly better job than Mikel Arteta is currently doing. Because I, I don't think that... People would turn around and say, well, Ancelotti would do a, a much better job because he's more experienced. But what Ancelotti has done at Everton is in the summer... He was backed, unlike Arteta. He was given three prime players going into the top part of their career in Rodriguez and Decore and in Alan in positions where they needed that reinforcement to build upon what was already a decent squad with Dean and Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison and Sigurdsson and, and Yeri Mina and Keane, etc. He was given those prime talents, whereas Arteta was given a squad that has been dysfunctional for a long, long time and was given two key players to add to the starting lineup in Partey and in Gabriel. And oh, he was also... He chose yeah, Willian. And he was given Willian because effectively, if you look at how much money was available to us, if we had money to spend more than what we did spend, we would have got more than either Willian or we would have got our and Partey at the end of the window. We didn't because we didn't have the money to be able to do it. And so Arteta's told his... It's fact, you must be told the amount of money he's going to be given at the start of the window because otherwise why plan for a transfer window? He brings in Thomas Partey and he brings in Gabriel for a combined about 70 million quid, of, of which a lot of that had to be financed very recently by the owner. We can't bring in anything else. He's looked at Nicolas Pepe and gone, I don't think he's good enough to be the sole option on the right-hand side. Thankfully, 
he's had the genius moment to move Saka onto the right-hand side, and we've seen him flourish there too. But William was brought in as a player that was in the top 10 chance creators for Chelsea last season, that was 32, still culp- still good, still able to do things. And no one can tell me, and I won't have it from anyone, that anyone can say that they knew William was going to be this bad. No one could tell me that William was going to be as bad in comparison to last season. Every so I think chance has a risk. Of course it is. But I think that when you look at the fact that Arsenal have barely ever signed players in the Premier League, and this was someone that was coming in at the end of his contract that had done well last season at Chelsea to be in, as I say, the top 10 chance creators in the Premier League, added to the fact that we had Partey and Gabriel to a side that has been perpetually poorly recruited into, that Arteta was given effect. It was, it was always going to be a real struggle this season based upon what was available to him. And then when you factor in the, uh, the, uh, the factor that Thomas Partey isn't available to you, that you've then got a midfield that isn't upgraded on, that isn't improved, you are going to struggle when everyone else around you then improves their squads. So that's why I don't see another manager doing any better than he's done this season. Do you think uh, Thomas Tuchel's done better at Chelsea since he's taken over from Lampard? I think Thomas Tuchel has has improved Chelsea since he's been there. Yes, 100%. But I look at what's available. They they have better players than us, right? Undoubtedly, they have better players than us. However, right, there are managers in the league. Look, I mean, even Sean Dyche has improved Burnley since they were crap earlier this season, somehow galvanized them. Scott Parker, how has he got Fulham playing better? And all these all these uh all these kind of tenacious points that they've been able to get over the last few weeks now where they have Brighton and Newcastle looking over their shoulder. Parker or Sean Dyche than no, I'm right not now. saying that. I'm just giving you examples of teams that have improved somewhat. We've and improved. I just think we 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 have no our league position hasn't improved. We've yeah, improved statistically. If you pick up points in that part of the table, it's going to mm-hmm. propel you way further up than if you pick up points in the top half of the table. On, we've still like. lost. We've still lost games. Three games since Christmas. Three games. That's not good enough in terms of where we want where we want to be and where we want to climb up the table. And I'm not. I'm giving you examples. And yes, I'm sure I'm going to get hammered for bringing up Sean Dyche and Scott Parker. But the question was about. But giving, uh, I'm giving the answer for me is about giving you examples of teams just improving because their manager is doing something, right? Are you telling me that Nagelsmann couldn't come in and make our team better? He's got RB Leipzig at the top of Bundesliga. Um, he could end up being like one of those generational, he could end up being one of those generational managers that we miss out on the same way that we did Pep Guardiola, Antonio Conte, and Jurgen Klopp because we let managers like that pass us by. You know, and then you are agree, seeing improvements. Yeah. You are seeing improvements at Leicester under Rogers, at West Ham under um, David Moyes, at Aston Villa under Dean Smith. I mean, these are just facts. They're there. And whether you think they're good examples or not, they're examples I can give you of teams that have somewhat Im- improved. And yes, I hear you. December onwards, we've improved slightly. But for Arsenal Football Club, this mediocrity and this narrative of mediocrity is unacceptable. And when I see us in the same league position and potentially this week we could fall back further, there's the improvement is climbing the table and being more competitive in the Premier League and translating some of this into results, which the team is failing to do. I, the thing, like, I, I think that the, what you raise about the examples, Scott Parker and Sean Dyche, I think Sean Dyche has done an amazing job at a Burnley team that barely get to invest every single summer and he keeps them up when teams come up from the championship that spend loads of money and go straight back down. I think he's done a great job. I think it suits him that job really well. Scott Parker has turned, has started to get much better results since, ironically, Christmas to, to then move them further up. But I think that 
they're really good examples because of where they are in the table. And if you start picking up points at the bottom of the table, you can quite easily move up. But when you're in the top half of the table and you're looking at those sides that are picking up points, I mean, if you look over the last like four or five seasons, the gap between 10th place and fourth has dropped significantly. Four mm-hmm. years ago, it was 31 points. Uh, three years ago, again, I think it dropped slightly. It might have still been 31 points. But two years ago, it was like 16 points. Last year, it was 12 points. The gap between 10th and 4th is cr- is closing dramatically. And that means that you can keep winning games in the top half, but it's no guarantee that your league position is going to go up. And the fact is, is that we're now nine points off top four right now, I think. Or we might be slightly more after the, the West Ham result. I can check it. So Chelsea are on 50 points. We're on. So we're 12 points off top four with a game in hand over Chelsea. So it could close to, to nine. I don't know who the game in hand is against, but it could effectively be nine. It's 12 right now. And we finished 12 points off top four, I believe, um, last season where we finished. And so we could effectively still progress based upon that. The league position might not be better than last year, but the proximity to top four could still be better than last year. League, I the, the whole point of this, obviously, me getting you on here and, and talking about this, we took when we called it the league position debate, because I do think that the league position is something that is a stick to beat the club with that is out of context when it comes to how close we actually are to what we want to achieve and how difficult that challenge is with the teams that are around us with what we're able to do. And I think that we have seen an upturn in form since Christmas. Yes, our league position hasn't necessarily changed. I think that gap between what, what us... That, what does what does that have to do with not being able to beat teams like Villa or Wolves or Burnley? Well, you look at Burnley. I believe in that game we were out far the better team and Arteta's tactics created huge chances in that match that should have been taken. And we and should they have were. Been... Yeah, but why is that Arteta... Arteta can't jump onto the pitch and tell Pepe to connect with the ball. I mean, it's just, it's a collective, it's a team, right? The manager, the manager is responsible as are the players. Of course. But what can Arteta do but give the team the instructions to go out there and create all these chances and they miss those chances? How many games have been played so far this season, Tom? All in. As we've talked about, the two halves of the season that we're talking about, I believe there are reasons behind why we were so weak at the beginning. You've came I, back to me and, and said I've that. Heard them and, and I agree with some some of that. But my point yeah. is, and I'm a stickler for it, the league position doesn't lie. I, I mean, we I still think there is greater context than the league position. I do. I just there think are, it's because we we like to use the rearview mirror uh, uh, at Arsenal. We always like to blame the past. We always like to blame everything that's come before us. And there's been issues and problems. You know, um, it's not just. Unai Emery and Mikel Arteta, they both uh, inherited institutionalized cultural issues at a club that has done bad business for years and years and years. And it takes Mm. a while to evolve out of that and evolve through it. And my point is, and my comparison is when I see other clubs who are lesser of our history, lesser of even our football culture, doing better than us with less than us, at some point, it's okay to question if the manager is having what do you mean less than this team. Can I just ask you, though, what, what do you mean by less than Because I completely disagree with the history point. For me, history is great in the sense that it puts you in that stature. But history in terms of football means jack. Like It doesn't mean anything in regards to league position, which is what we want. Why, no one's going to give you a pity prize for what your history Why wasn't Emery defended the same way as Arteta? Why were people so quick to want Emery out? Why didn't they give him the same care and consideration. Because he continued the mistakes that Arsene Wenger made. 
how and how and Arteta didn't make mistakes early this season by continuing to play Bellerin, by continuing to play Xhaka, who's prone to mistakes, by continuing to play William. You, you could you could play El Nenny makes less mistakes. He's a neat player who He's passes worse. sideways. He passes the ball sideways and backwards the same way as Xhaka. Just Xhaka's a progressive midfielder still. Like I get that he passes no, sideways not. and he passes. He's not really. Jacka, Only when he plays with could... party, we've seen that a little bit. And I've defended Jacka completely. But the point is, is that you didn't answer the question why Emery was making mistakes. We went when he was on a twenty-two unbeaten game run. People were fine with that, and then the mistakes happened, and everyone lost faith after the Europa League loss, which was humiliating. The yeah. players didn't show up in that game. That wasn't yeah. all Emery's fault. My question is, why, when his league position was better, his league form was better, why haven't fans afforded Emery the same patience they're giving Arteta? And I can help answer that question to make it even easier for you. Because one won their final and the other didn't. Winning the FA Cup got Arteta a lot of love coupons from Arsenal fans. And that is the only difference between the two. Because league form-wise, there's no comparison. Would you agree with that? Let, so let me answer the question. Before I answer the question, just quickly, in the chat box, this is obviously a discussion between me and Sophie that we're talking about, and we're not agreeing on things. And you might not agree with my point of view, and you might not agree with Sophie's point of view, but I will not have anyone in this chat box insulting either of us because you need to be open to the fact that this is a debate and that we've got different points of view. So keep your insults to yourselves. Thank you very much. I didn't um, see it aimed at me. No. Sorry. No, it was both of us. <laughs> so <laughs> we've taken equal flack tonight, it's fair to say. <laughs> um, but in so why why Emery, for me, isn't given the same amount of slack as Arteta? I get the whole trophy thing. I think the trophy thing buys, um, I think it buys a little bit more for Arteta, for sure, in, in the eyes of some fans. It doesn't for me. The reason for me is because I think that Emery continued the mistakes of Arsene Wenger in terms of what is really the big crux of, of Arsenal's problem, which I always come back to, which is, for me, recruitment, is that in the first season that we had Emery here and, and looking at the positions that he wanted, he brought in Lucas Torreira. Well, I say he. Okay, I'll be fair. We obviously have Raul Sanyehi at the club, and obviously he was involved and he influenced the players, but maybe it wasn't necessarily him. But it's his positions that he specifically wanted and then the club went out and got those players. So Stefan Lishtana comes in, uh, Lucas Torreira comes in, Matteo Genduzzi comes in. None of those players, besides Lucas Torreira, the, what he brought in at the start, improved on what we already had, in my view. Lucas Torreira was an upgrade on that position. But then I look at what Emery did with Lucas Torreira, which was to move him into a completely the wrong role. And effectively, I feel he ruined what was a good prospect in Lucas Torreira. You fast forward to the following summer and he does, and there's some good signs that come in. Kieran Tinney comes in, which is a really good signing. We needed a left back. We tracked him at the club for a long time and we brought him in great. We bring in uh, Gabriel Martinelli, which was thanks to Francis Cajigal's scouting and he finds him, we get him in too. Brilliant. William Saliba brilliant comes in. Yeah, brilliant buy. William Saliba comes in, 30 million quid. The only way that we're going to get him is if we send him back on loan. We needed a centre back, but it's not a player that's going to have an immediate impact on the team. It's not a centre back that's going to, you're going to sign and he's going to go straight in and improve your defence. And then the other player that we bring in is Nicolas Pepe. Now, people tell me that Emery wasn't backed because he wanted Wilfred Zaha and instead. Correct. He got Nicolas Pepe. I disagree with the point of view to say that he wasn't backed because of that, because 
a coach how I feel and how I and why I look at Arteta as different and why I give him a more of the benefit of the doubt is because he chose to spend his big money on the two key positions that we've lacked for a decade at centre-back and at centre-midfield. And that's why, for me, I give Arteta more credit and more time because he's doing the things differently. Yes, he's making coaching mistakes. Yes, we've not been good enough at the start of the season. But I am seeing changes. and I am seeing improvements that I'd not seen under the previous two managers and at the end of Arsene Wenger's, not to say his whole tenure, but the end of Arsene Wenger's tenure and the whole of Unai Emery's tenure. I look at it and say, I don't think Unai Emery continued on from where Wenger left us and improved us. I think that he got to a, a European final, which is great. I think we had a decent squad with Ozil still there and Ramsey playing and, and these players. And the midfield was better than what Arteta's lost had prior Ramsey, to though, didn't, he? didn't he? He, lost, he Ramsey. lost Ramsey towards the end of the Europa League run. He lost him against, I think it was Napoli that we lost him in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we obviously played Valencia in the semi-final. And a lot really of good losing Rambo was a big reason why we regressed at that time. And I and would say that this season, Partey being injured is why we've lost a lot of the games. Saying, lost. Like, it's okay to have a differing opinions about certain yeah. managers and me thinking of Arteta a little bit differently to you. I think the mistake people make is that when you when you criticise Arteta, you're Arteta out. That's not what I've said and that's not... And some I'm people may that, think that I have that agenda, but I absolutely do not. What I do think is okay is for you to criticise the manager and question why there hasn't been any improvement in the league. Because even Unai came in and people kind of, you know, vilified him for his, his he, he tried, I, I worked with a coach here when I'm covering LA Galaxy, um, mm. whose English wasn't great, but he tried so hard to speak English, you know, um, and learn English. Jonathan Dos Santos, who's played here for a few seasons, only now yeah. starting to feel really comfortable doing his, his um, press in English. You know, Marcello Bielsa, everyone lauds him. You know, he's on this Mount Rushmore of of, uh, of managers, coaches, and doesn't speak a lick of English to his players as a translator. But people want to kill Emery because he lost the dressing room because he couldn't communicate. These are excuses, Tom. This is this is what I've I've come to learn about our football club is at some point a football club has to stand up has to be more ruthless, has to take accountability and responsibility for, for all of their actions. And maybe that's happening under Adu and Arteta now. We won't know until maybe November of um, of this year. Give him another transfer window. Let's see what he truly does with a squad and a team mm. that is completely built in his image. And I've always said on our show for a long time that a really great manager builds a team in his image. They take on his characteristics, his personality. Look at Liverpool and Klopp. Look at Pep at Barcelona, Bayern and Manchester City. Antonio Conte did it at Juventus. He then did it at Chelsea. Look at Diego Simeone, Simeone at Atletico Madrid. You become an image of your manager. And that's the part where I give Arteta the benefit of the doubt still because I think it's half in his image and the rest is to be built in the summer. But if we're in the same league position come November, Todd, uh, Tom... No one. That's going to stick. I just got a text message up here from my cousin, Todd Gardner. So I went, I said, yeah. I, I, I Good Todd. Save. Uh, <laughs> is, we're not going to know that. Right. But I still yeah. expect to see some improvements. And mm. all I'm saying is no excuses. You know, they, yeah. they can't make excuses. City don't make them. 
You know, Chelsea don't make them. Chelsea are ruthless. Say whatever you want about their revolving managerial door, but it yields trophies. It yields success. It's changed their culture and DNA, and we need Mm. to discover what that is for us. So in response to that, (laughs) what I would say is is that, and especially with the coaches that you've brought up there, with the the Guardiola and the Klopp um, and, and, and Conte when he came in at Chelsea, is that... I used this analogy the other day. Like, if you think of the Premier League as a treadmill, right, over over these years, and the treadmill's running, and whatever coach we've got it at the time, now Arteta is the coach that's running on the treadmill, and giving him better players like Partey and Gabriel allows Arteta to run faster and, and keep up, and, and Arsenal to to be better. But the problem is, is that the Premier League, which is the treadmill, is now a higher speed with all of the other teams that can compete with where we are at than it was five years ago, say, when Klopp came in. When Klopp came in, he could build his team, gradually get better and better. And he didn't have the same amount of competition around him that what Arteta has now. And I know that the obvious response is to say this is an excuse. And I don't believe it is an excuse. I believe it is a genuine reason as to why this challenge for Arteta is tougher and that while we're still winning games and our form has improved, yet our league position is also remaining stagnant right now. It's because mm-hmm. the, the situation around Arteta and the competition around him right now, despite us improving over the last three months or so, is because of that same competition that's exceptionally difficult to beat. The three games that we've lost being Wolves, Villa and against Man City. Man City is, is it's not a game that I don't want to call it a write-off, but it's a game that you would probably turn around and say you expect to lose that game. Wolves and Aston Villa. Well, Aston Villa this season have been very good and I feel that we obviously were the, <laughs> we were the architects of our own downfall with the mistake that we made at the start of the game and we arguably should have had a penalty and we could have even been up against a side with 10 men had they deemed that same red card that they gave in a different game later on in the season. I think it was against uh, West Ham or it might have even actually been against Aston Villa for thinking about it. And I look at those games and I go, if we had beaten Wolves at that time, we would have been sixth after that game. Um, if we'd have managed to carry on that form and we didn't make that mistake, we could have been sixth in the table and, and maybe things would be very different now. And I think to next season is that the, the treadmill is only going to get faster. And the thing for Arteta and whoever coach we have is that we need to back them. And as you said, this team needs to be made in his image. And that's only going to happen if we give him the players in the right positions and not only give him the players, but these players can't just be a Mustafi that's exactly the same as we got, doesn't improve us, a Xhaka that doesn't necessarily improve us, even a Nicolas Pepe that doesn't necessarily improve us. The mm-hmm. players that we give Arteta must be players that are better than what we have, and not only better, but considerably better, and that mm-hmm. will get into other top six sides in the Premier League. And that's going to be tricky without the financial backing. And I, I had a really good discussion with Turkish the other day, and we basically come to the agreement that under the current ownership, we don't see us competing for the title again at this point. Whilst we're not getting the investment, whilst we're not getting the backing, we're not going to get to that stage. And I believe that we have a better chance, though, to compete for the top four and to get back to the stage of trying to progress and with better recruitment with Arteta in charge because of what I've seen. And he is only going to get better as a coach. So all the things that you have criticised, quite rightly at times, for the things that he's done wrong this season, I think I see those things that he will fix and he will get better. But the things that are incredibly different are what make him what for I feel is the right manager right now because they are incredibly different for what we've already seen under Emery and under Arsene Wenger. I, as I said, I think he deserves the summer transfer window. 
Um, mm. and I feel very strongly about the fact that he needs to build the team in his image. Like I said, the reason why the treadmills sped up and other, other people have caught us is because we slowed down. We, the, the ownership is as much to blame for this as the poor executive team, poor management, player apathy, um, inconsistency on the pitch. It's all trickled down, right? Um, and unfortunately, other clubs have caught up to us. More TV money now, more money in the game overall. Um, you know, some teams are even better at, uh, you know, our commercial uh, commercial opportunities than we are. Yeah. I think as Arsenal Football Club, yeah. internationally as well, my goodness, I just don't think we do enough. So these are things that we can improve financially across the board. It's not going to be easy in a time of covid but it's clear we need a right back. We need, I would say, another centre back. We need a cover for Tierney if he's going to be an injury prone player. We need a partner for Thomas Party. That would be the, I think, the nucleus to everything we do as a football club, whether it's a Basuma or whether it's someone like him. I think he's going to be a tough get. Uh, I think we need a striker. I mean, people laughed at, not laughed at me, Kev, but they were like, what, Lukaku? I would take Lukaku at our club every single day of the week. He's improved as a footballer playing for Inter Milan. He's um, strong, he's fast, scores goals, consistent, um, would scare teams, uh, would bully teams, we're too nice, we're a bit weak source. So that part is another area that Arteta has to really... Um, really improve on as well. I'm not saying let's develop shit housery, but we need to be a bit tougher. You know, yeah. we need to just be in the game a little bit more than we are. So he's got a huge job on his hands, job on his hands still, but he's also been able to bring in players to improve that team. And that's the part where the rubber meets the road for me. So mm. like I said, come November, if we're in the same league position after he's been able to reinvest, um, that's going to be where I think you have to, honestly say okay is he the right man for the job and call it quits yeah. but until then if he keeps making mistakes i'll criticize him and if he does well i i have a humble pie baked on deck to eat with <laughs> and ice cream and i'm more than happy to do it because yeah. you know all i want is for the club to do well and it's really tough being a generation xer and seeing so much success over the years how we've regressed in the Premier League. I mean, it's really one of the saddest things to me as an Arsenal fan. I love winning yeah. the FA Cup, don't get me wrong. But to not compete in the Premier League, that's been a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, and I and the listeners who watch this show will, will vouch for this. And I have sat here and I have said that this isn't about blind faith from me. This is about me seeing what I've seen and, and coming to a different conclusion to other people. And that I will sit here in a year's time. And if we are still in the same place after having brought in more quality and have done the things that I've asked for instead of in saying that we need to improve the team and bring in better players, and if we're still here, then I will my view will have changed. My opinion will have changed because I will be given the evidence to suggest that no, it's not working and and we've been given better players and we're still where we are and and we will need to change things. It's not about blind faith, it's not about having a, an agenda either way for anyone. It's about what we see on the pitch and ultimately the conclusions that we come to. And I think that ultimately what we can agree on, Sophie, is that we both want Arsenal to go in the right direction. We both want Arteta to succeed and to turn these things around and to improve on what we've got already. And that we sincerely hope that he does. Yeah, I agree with you, Tom. And this is what I like is about us being able to to have a healthy debate and discussion, even though we disagree. Mm. Uh, 
um, and we both feel very passionately about what we see. And it's amazing, isn't it? Sometimes you're looking at you're looking through the same lens, but you have a different story to tell. And that's what I love about football. Um, you know, not saying that all the things I'm saying are factual. No, they're they're my opinion. Um, some of some of the facts are what they are. The data, the analytics, you can't change that. It is what it is. Mm. But as long as we can debate and discuss in a healthy fashion like this, I'm, I'm all for it. And I would love for him to do well. And I would, I, if he wins the Europa League, I mean, oh. that would be incredible. I mean, yeah. you know, I lose my mind just thinking about it. Yeah. You know, so. I'm and, trying not to. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a massive game, this North London derby. This is a mm. game-changing kind of match for him, for this yeah. team. Huge. You know, to be able to, because if if you look at our schedule after Tottenham, Tom, it's West pretty healthy. Liverpool. I mean, it's we play a lot of the bottom half teams as well. We do, though. yeah, right. Which has been our our kind of Achilles' heel this season, yeah. as we mentioned earlier. And, and I think that things that have to improve exactly, right? and they do have to change. And you're 100 right. And I'm thinking now that obviously one of the, my key points I've been saying is that I feel that we've improved after Christmas, despite our league position not necessarily changing. I think, as I've pointed out, there are reasons for that. But when it comes to the end part of the season, we have one of the nicer run-ins of the teams that would be competing for that final mm -hmm. position. If we can get past uh, Spurs, West Ham, and Liverpool. Um, with with a good points tally from those games, then we go into those matches against the sides that we should be with a point to prove. And Arteta's got a point to prove, and so do the players. And that will be a barometer for the end of the season for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he. I don't think he's beaten Mourinho as a player, and he certainly hasn't beaten him as a manager. So every stat changes somewhere, and let's hope it's this weekend um, sure. because they've definitely found some form, haven't they? And you know, we need to we need to make sure we don't lose that game. Before you go, um, yes. I'd love to get your predictions uh, for the next two matches, which is, of course, Olympiacos and uh, the North London Derby. So how? what are you feeling? What are your score predictions? What are you thinking? I think we'll draw 2-2 with Olympiacos. I think they're mm. a lot more dangerous. To me, they feel more dangerous this season than they were last season. They have a good mm. midfield. They can get goals. They're not afraid to shoot outside the box. Um, there's something about Socrates playing for them that makes me very uncomfortable as that ex-player comes. You know you know how those stories go sometimes, Tom. He's uh, scoring. <laughs> there's no <laughs> doubt in my mind. He's scoring. He's going to score a header. So, yeah, 2-2 yeah, two -two for that one. And then the North London derby. Oh, God. I'm going to go for a 1-1. One -one. Yeah. I, I I said the other day, I think I went for, I was very optimistic for, uh, now I need to, because having you on here has enlightened me to the different pronunciation of, of I say the different, the correct pronunciation of, is it Olympiakos? Is that, Olympiakos. is that better? Yeah. Okay. So it's that, it's like, like a Greek, it's Olympiakos. Right. So I'm going to yeah. have to work on that. A lot of people I, say uh, Olympiakos, don't they? Yes, that's, that's what yeah. I do say, incorrectly, clearly. Yeah, um, so but uh, when we play Olympiakos, um, which that's not bad. I've said that I thought we might really go for it and, and come out, try to win it, would get as many away goals as possible. And I said 3-0, very optimistically. Um it's not going to be easy and that's pure optimism and I have blind faith in my optimism only and that's the only thing I have blind faith in. Um, and then, you know, I'm all, as I say, I'm an optimist so I will steal a win against Spurs, maybe 2-1, 3-2. It's, it's going to be close. It's going to be goals. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Sophie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, we don't agree, which is 
what football is all about ultimately is differing opinions but i think we've had an enjoyable debate and one that i know the listeners have enjoyed and 99 percent of them have been fantastic in the chat as well <laughs> well that's good and listen i respect your opinion and you've given me a lot of food for thought which is Likewise. one of the beautiful things about coming into a debate and a discussion is being uh, open-minded to hear things that maybe you may not agree with and you can go away thinking about those things so that's definitely happened on this discussion tonight so i appreciate that 100 percent. and as i said at the start of the show you can check out sophie's stuff in the link in the description to the hybrid squad along with of course kevin campbell and amanda princess guna i'm sure she's watching on playback so hello amanda we survived <laughs> we didn't kill each other <laughs> we did it so uh you can drop a like on the video for that i'm sure as can you guys in the chat box too i'll be back tomorrow at five o'clock uh with drew for the normal let's talk arsenal show on tuesday at 5 p.m but other than that it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to sophie and you guys in the chat box as course and we'll see you again very very soon and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around and you've got a mcnuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfection order now on the mcdonald's app for your mcdelivery you in at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.